0: Uh, there were there were two things that uh, tickled my fancy this week, and one of them was a comment uh, from a guy on YouTube to one of our videos, who claimed that this was the first time he had ever commented on a video, uh, and and I, maybe he even said on anything on social media. And his comment, wow. I wish I had it in front of me, but it, the upshot of his comment was, uh, and he was responding to you, Bill, is that the reason oh why. Um, conservatives don't have a vision for governing is because we don't want more government. And there were a couple of people who were like, hurrah, huzzah, yes, way to go. And I thought, I think I understand what you mean by that, but I think it doesn't accurately convey what conservatives' vision for governance is. Because- there are no except for anarchists there there aren't any conservatives who are saying what we need is no government um what they're saying right. is that government should be constrained within the box so to speak of in the federal case of the US constitution and and not be allowed to stray beyond the borders of that box and so anyway i just um i said you know saying Uh, get the government off your back, like Ronald Reagan used to say, doesn't mean eliminating all governance. You know, and and I I think we've probably done a poor job of communicating that over the years. And I I used to say during the Tea Party movement, in fact, I think I said this in speeches at Tea Party events, I said standing up in front of a bunch of cheering partisans and saying, I'm for limited government and lower taxes uh, begs the question, you know, it's like, okay, how limited? How lower? I've got this. And how do you set that? How do you set that level? And so then I started like writing things of like what conservatives believe, like what's a what's a conservative vision for governance? And you know, one of my examples was that a single mom in Seattle shouldn't have to subsidize a public transit project in Tallahassee, you know, or a homeless right. shelter in Detroit. Um, you know, the, the federal government's powers should be constrained to matters affecting regions or multiple states or the whole country or foreign relations. Uh, The the locus of responsibility for uh, charity should start with the individual, then the family, then the community, then go to local governance, then state governance, and then federal government, but not move to a higher level until the immediate um, options have been exhausted. And in most cases, I think you find it wouldn't go to the higher level. Um, you know we're not trying to take this is a conservative vision for governance we're not we don't are not interested in taking things away from people but rather creating a level playing field to maximize opportunity for creativity to allow you to be unleashed to express oh. who you really are in the marketplace and find the audience who can. And there's no better time for this message than during the explosion of social media where somebody who's who nobody Absolutely. knows can show up on YouTube and suddenly have a million people following him all, all because of the distinctive way he communicates his passion about what it is
1: he does or loves. Scott, so, I've got this. <laughs> I, I, Go I, I, I've got this. I'm sorry. I, th- I thought you were done there. You, oh, no, no, no. There's a long, long list, there, but that's enough. There's <laughs> there's a word I've been thinking of a lot because I just saw a thing saying that it's basically been ground to a halt for the last 50 years, basically my entire lifetime. Um, and the word is innovation. America yeah. is the country of of innovation, and we always have been. And innovation is what creates wealth. If you want to bring down the mighty tech companies, it takes not regulation, it takes innovation. Um, everything we do that, as you said, Scott, is is creative and and, and energetic and change. You know, our friends on the left say they love change. It is Innovation is is the word, and American the innovation rate in the U.S. Uh, in terms of you know increasing our, our productive wealth. Here's where I get a little techie. I need Bill to help me with the branding here. Uh, is that our our innovation rate was uh, usually between two and a half and three and a half percent a year every year for for our entire existence as a country up until 1973 and under Richard Nixon the regulatory explosion began and it, with just a couple of exceptions it hasn't changed and our innovation rate has dropped down to maybe a percent percent and a half per year that means smaller paychecks that means old firms that 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 are dinosaurs that won't go extinct that means i don't know if people realize cool stuff yeah i don't know if people realize this but all the cool tech stuff we have today all almost all the innovation we have today is just expansions and refinements of stuff we developed in the 60s and 70s. Yep. And that's a fact.
2: Yep. So once again, it's a branding issue. You know, you were talking about the guy said, well, look, we need some kind of government, right? Every now and then through a series of random grunts and whistles, I managed to get off something that sounds relatively pithy. And, and when I was talking about this once, it just came to me in, in a speaking event. And I said, look, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't want a government. I'm saying I want a government that fits in the box it came in. That's what I want. I want a government that fits in the box it came in, because that government worked really, really well. Worked really well. So what does that mean? Why? When you ask about things like, what does limited government mean? I had to ask myself that question, right? So if you really want to get to the philosophical, I was actually asking myself, what what should the tax rate be? Not the rate. How much money should the, should the federal government bring in morally, according to conservative argument? And the, the thing I came up with was, first of all, if it's not an enumerated power, it's not in the federal budget. That's number one. Zero it out. And yeah. number two, you have to. Then I would say that the government has the moral right to to raise as much money as possible to frugally spend upon the things that are are parts of the enumerated uh, powers of the Constitution. Period. So once you've got those enumerated powers, you need a defense department. Okay, and and in a world today, you need a big defense department. And I'm a big defense guy. But the way that we spent money on the F-35 is just simply burning money. Oh. It's, it's insane. It's ridiculous. It, it's, it's not constitutional to spend money the way we spent money on that. Because we, yeah. we did it cost plus, right? We basically, we didn't say, hey, uh, Lockheed, here's $40 billion. We want 700 airplanes. Lockheed said, well, how about we do this? You give us $40 billion. We'll give you 700 airplanes. But if the costs increase, then we have to charge you more. So what incentive does that give Lockheed? Gives them incentive to delay this process as long as possible and to keep coming up with all of these things. It's insane. Oh. You wouldn't, you, you wouldn't hire a guy to put, put an extension on your house and, and, and then you ask him, how much is this going to cost? And he says, well, it's going to cost uh, 700 bucks plus expenses. Well, what are the expenses? I don't know. Couldn't, couldn't say. Right. Next thing you know, you got a bill for $200,000 of expenses, Right. So so yes it's all part of the brand. You you've got to, you cannot you cannot escape from the from the slurs and the misconceptions unless you have conceptions that you can use to present as an alternative, and we don't.
0: Well, to yeah. get to what and the guy said um, specifically, he was he was saying, you know, we it's because we don't want government, basically. And I wish I had his exact quote, but we don't want government, and and that's why it's so hard for conservatives to convey a vision for government. And I think the difference really is conveying a vision of innovation and freedom and creativity and justice for all and no special favors for anybody uh, you know no no special pleading before the government um, and you know respect for contract law and things like that those those are the stable foundation for a spontaneous explosion of creativity. I met a kid um, at my other job which is in a retail environment and uh, this was yesterday. I'm guessing the kid was 9, 10, 11 years old, something like that. Really hard to tell. Uh, Great kid. And as he was leaving, he just looked at me and he said, I have a video game. And, you know, with my boomer-like disdain for video games and the youth who piddle away their lives playing (laughs) <laughs> you know, no, I don't Modern have that
1: to But I've been playing anyway, Victoria three for the last week and
0: a half. So, so I was like, oh, and he said the name of it, and I, but of course, I didn't even understand what he said, and so, and I was like, oh, well, that's that's great. You know, his mom's right there, and I'm like, terrific. And he goes, no, it's not that I bought a video game. I have a video game. I made a video made game. Uh, and I'm like, what? Now you've got me interested. And I said, There's well, a what, lot of that out there. what language do you use? And he said something that sounded to me like Lua. I don't know it. Uh, I don't know what the language is. But anyway, but so he starts ta- talking to me about this video game he's developed. And and I, I'm not sure he was in the double digits as far as age goes. So that's the kind of of America I want, where a nine-year-old is not just saying, hey, I'm just going to ride the shoulders of somebody else who's created something already for me and just play in their little world. I am going to create my own world. And not just in video games, but in in whatever. And that's the kind... And not have
2: somebody tell you you can't do that. Yes. And that's the kind of country... Not regulate
0: you out of the market. So by the same token, what I said before about how if you're able to express people's problems in a way that echoes the language they use to describe the problems, then they will think you have a solution. If you're able to express people's dreams in a way that uses the language that they would use if when they were saying, oh, I wish I had a, or I want to someday, or I think I'd like to, or I really am determined to do this. If you're able to connect with that, then you unlock the potential of those people. And they're not. That's right. The, the funny thing is here, they don't need a solution from you. Their solution is. Out of my way, let me do it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna screw up the river uh when I do it, you know, because that would step on other people's toes. But you know, let's make it possible for as many people to chase their dreams as they can, yes. take the risk, fail, get up and try again.
1: Yeah.
2: I'll give you 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 do have to personalize these things. Obamacare passed because there was a a, a little old lady up in the balcony and, and Obama could point to her and say she would have died if it hadn't been for this law. And then everybody sees her crying and, and even guys like me go, I don't want that little old lady no. to die. You know, I mean, maybe oh, this guy's oh. got something, maybe he's got something here. So you personalize it, right? You humanize it. And the example that I would use is um, there's, there's, a guy, there's a guy in the neighborhood who had a, a really nice tree house that he'd built. And for 18 years on Halloween, he opened up his entire property and he called it Boney Island. And hundreds (laughs) and hundreds of people would come every night. He had his own little, you know, he had his own little maze thing. You could buy tickets to go up there and he had all these decorations. And, And I... Before I was living next door to Boney Island, I remember driving up from, you know, over the hills, a 40-minute drive to get to Boney Island. It was a party. It was great. Everybody loved it. It was like a $2 ticket or something, you know, if, if you wanted to get inside and all this other stuff. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm now fantastic. I live next to Boney Island. Honey, wait till you see this. And we went down, looked at the house, and there's a, no Boney Island. I, this is our first Halloween in uh, where we live. And there was a little sign outside, little tiny sign. It was attached to the, to the fence. And the guy said, I'm terribly sorry, but we have had to put an end to Boney Island. The city of Los Angeles has determined that in order to get a permit to run Boney Island, I will have to pay them $80,000. <laughs> <laughs> and <they're> simply, and <laughs> there's simply no way that we can afford to do that. So after 18 years of tremendous amount of fun, uh, I'm sorry, but we simply just can't do this what a anymore. a shame. Yeah.
1: That's... You know what I'm against, you know, Bill, you brought up Obamacare and you want to talk about the Democrats stealing our brand. Uh, we look at that monstrosity even before it's passed into law and we see the the just the drab and ruinously expensive conformity of government mandates. But Nancy Pelosi was on TV selling it as opportunity because Obamacare was going to free artists and entrepreneurs yes. to pursue their yeah. dreams. And, and that's uh, oh, the other that's thing really was our brand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and the other thing was my grandfather's little tiny steel company back in St. Louis, uh, he used to put on, at his own expense, a, a company picnic every summer. And it was a lot of fun. There were games and beer and, you know, burgers and and, and hot dogs on the grill. And unfortunately, I never got to go one of the, to one of these things. Um, it had been going on for years when one of the union guys in the shop complained to the union that if this is a company thing, they should get paid for attending. Hmm. And so... He canceled it. Gotta love him.
0: By the way, in my vision, uh, conservative vision of the future, um, you don't know what the president of the United States is doing from day to day. You have to listen to him and you don't have to, but you should listen to him for one hour a year. When he comes before a joint session of Congress and and gives his speech on the State of the Union, then you probably should tune in, see how things are going. But you should not be aware of the daily comings and goings. And if he gets the sniffles and if yes. he tripped going up the stairs on the airplane or down the stairs or whatever, as we've done to every president since Richard Nixon or probably earlier, um, th- because the job of the president of the United States is super important during super narrow (laughs) timeframes.
1: During very
0: particular times when the exigency of an executive is essential, usually involving national defense. The rest of the year, it is an administrative, boring job. And it should be. That's right.
1: Bingo. God, I would love to be bored by politics.
2: Let's depoliticize everything. (laughs) And you're right. That's how you make the argument. You say, "Look, do you want? You're a skateboarder, right? Yes. Do you want people to vote and say that skateboarding should be made illegal because of the number of of accidents? Do you, do you want to live in a world where people have the power to vote that skateboarding away from you? No. I agree. That's too much government. Skateboarding is your business. If you want to break your wrist skateboarding, that's your business too, right? I'm not going to tell you you can't do that. My son did that just because I don't do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> here's here's my pitch locally anyway. Um, You can't put up your own garage sale sign in our town, okay? I'm sure this is the same in many towns. You can no longer just go out and buy at Walmart or make from cardboard with magic marker your own garage sale sign. You have to put up the government issue yellow garage sale sign that says garage sale on it. But. Most of the sign, about half at least of the sign, is taken up with a bunch of small print, which I've never read, but I assume is the regulation uh, involving yard sign postings. (laughs) It's the text of the ordinance, I'm imagining. Um, So there's this big block of little type that you can't possibly read from your car window. And uh, and there's very little room to indicate where the garage sale is. And then you're limited- I think you're only allowed to put up. I think my wife said you're only allowed to put up three signs. So you've got to choose where the things, you know, where to put them. Now, fortunately, Who most do these people people think they are. Most people use social media and 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 yard sale apps and stuff like that now. And you've got GPS, and so you can navigate to them. But it's like, well, the town—I know they had good intentions. They're like, oh, we don't want these trashy
1: signs all over the place. Nevertheless, That's, politicians th- those have trashy the signs place are up a, in their a charming part of any neighborhood. And now you've got, now you've got yard, you've got garage sales with an end user license agreement. You got to click <laughs> <Yep>. through. This <laughs> remember,
2: remember, they shut down that lemonade stand because she didn't have a license.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: that's yeah. the government that
0: I don't want. Bingo. But that, it, those are, and so the reason I mentioned the yellow yard sign is that everybody who just heard me say that will remember that yard sign because I said it was a yellow yard sign and it it I've became it became a visual image a yellow yard sign with a big block of small text on it and barely enough room to give the location of the sale so if and i i'm only giving that illustratively really because there's so many other things where we can say you know oh, here's yeah. how creativity and innovation blossom when you when you can put up a yard sign that says garage sale this way and there's a big arrow and it, and you know which way to turn, um, and I it can love be, those
1: hand drawn yard signs. It
0: can be orange. Sh- it can be pink. Now, if you leave it up, you know, 48 hours after the yard sale's over, then you're littering. So I th- I think you know then they can punish you. It seems think. reasonable. Yeah, that's fine. So, uh,
2: yeah, so, and, and if we don't do something about this, then in the next year or two, we're going to see the the United States Department of on-property retailing, and they will <laughs> have a $400 million a year uh, budget, and any number of, of agents who are armed, by the way, whose job will be to make sure that there's full compliance on every, every one of these retail things, that all oh, the taxes are collected, and so on, and so on, and so on.
1: That is, that's where we're going. That is my least favorite word, and I almost never heard it in American politics up until, I don't know, 15, maybe 20 years ago. Compliance. It's well, an the ugly un American an word and it's word. becoming disturbingly common.
2: Forbidden. My wife used that word all the time when she first got here. I thought that was forbidden. I thought there was a, and I wanted to say nothing's forbidden here. Bad, we should I not say I grew up
0: we should Prior not tell the government about this, be- by the way, because right now in every workplace in America of any size, uh, there's a bulletin board somewhere where there are little posters with details of federal regulations involving hiring and discrimination and all these other kinds of things with a bunch of small print posted you know, in the lunchroom or in the hallway somewhere. So that's you're legally required to post that sign somewhere in the workplace. I work in a building that exceeds a million square feet. <laughs> But I'm sure they have two or three of those posters somewhere.
1: Um, wow!
0: I, I think I've walked past that <laughs> you know, bulletin board, but I've never stopped and read it.
1: <laughs> of course I. Oh, you know what's really cute? I just saw this a couple of weeks ago, right here in my my own little neighborhood. You know that uh, that that like uh, party tinsel? It comes in strips, and all the sparkly s- strips yeah. hang down from the the thing that you tape to the drape off the ceiling. Um, Some realtor, excuse me, real estate agent. I don't think they are officially a realtor TM. Not a member Um, of the National Association of Realtors. Yeah, uh, probably just starting out because I'd never seen one of her signs around had had taped that gold glittery hang down stuff off the bottom of all their signs. And she had a couple in the neighborhood because she had she was representing somebody selling their house. And I thought, what a cute way to grab eyeballs because we That's have so forbidden. much sunshine here that all that f- flickery f- uh, waving in the wind gold stuff catches your eye and that that see this is this is a case of innovation because how does somebody just starting out uh, attract attention against the giant realtor office that that has all the advertising dollars well she found an inexpensive and innovative way to to make her signs more noticeable than the guy from the big established firm good for her that's america there are
2: there are thousands of digital assets that are made for like unreal engine thousands of houses that you can buy you just it's a digital thing you drop and 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 just drop it in and use it and that made me realize the people that manufacture the, – the, the people that make those things, are they unreal, tourists Is that what they are? <laughs> what
0: <it> <laughs> well, let me just finish up by saying this because we're at about uh, 90 minutes full recording time. Um, I think my friend on YouTube, whoever you are out there in TV land, um, that there is a conservative vision for governance. And in fact, if you look at the framers of the Constitution, you will find politicians, uh, all of them. <laughs> so it's not like they were <laughs> – Anti-government people. They were people who were actively involved in the philosophy of governance. They were actively involved in many cases, in most cases, in elective office. They were actively involved in crafting the boundaries uh, beyond which the government shall not tread. And so they really did have a vision. You know, the, the people who pushed the Constitution, in fact, were probably more so than many people because they wanted to have this federal document that was more effective than the charter that held the column together. So they were they were actually adding a layer, essentially, to to of of government, but they wanted to make sure that it didn't rule people's lives. There is a conservative vision for governance, but it is more about freeing individuals to pursue their passion and creativity um, and ensuring a level playing field so that there's no big special interests that can crush their dreams. That if they want their dreams crushed, they'll have to do it themselves. So for you know, I, go ahead I, Bill.
2: I need to post I need to post the the virtual presidency series because that series oh, yeah. took a look at every one of these things it lo- took a look at legislation healthcare all of it and that is damn near 10 years ago and that's I not think on, think it's on our website i'm going to i'm going to put it uh, i will well, i will send you the links to put it on the website it. Scott. and i think we just release one episode every week for the next uh, 12, 13 weeks. I'm always reluctant to post old stuff because to me it sounds like, oh, here I am on the Rolling Stones tour. I'm 84 years old and they want me to sing Satisfaction again.
0: Well, they'll just look at but, it and go, uh, hey, I didn't know Bill had
1: a kid.
2: <laughs> I didn't know Bill had a kid. Exactly. Thank you very much. That's just exactly what I needed to do. I had a kid with dark hair and uh, and and bad teeth.